What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Robert, man, what's going on? Welcome to the platform. Man, what's good? What's good? Man, I'm trying to get iced up like you, man. Oh, man. How crazy. you do it? How does it? How do you do it, man? Just living, man. Just living? Just living. Man, uh, I'm really excited to dive into a conversation with you, man, just being a, a, a Nashville native, um, White's Creek Cobra, you know, it's Firebirds, but, you yes, know. Sir. You know, I guess cobras are all right. My oh, family man. cobras, so you okay, know. Okay. Yeah, my family cobras. Yeah, we eat birds, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, cobras, but yeah, I eat birds. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. That mm. is true. That is, hey, I don't really got no rebuke, no rebut to that, man. It's all good. My, one of my closest friends, Reno Thompson, man. It's Pearl, so yeah, he, he good. Um, How's life been, man? 2022? It's been good, man. It's been good. It's been good. Um, Just looking at the real estate market is still doing this thing. Um. Nashville is still progressing mm-hmm. on a lot of things that needs to happen. We're one of the most progressive cities in the South. A lot of people don't know that. Right. A lot of things don't get past it as it come through here. So right. I'm right in the forefront of it. Man, let's talk about some of that, man. Uh, being a Nashville native, uh, tell us a little bit about how growing up in the 90s, 2000s, uh, Nashville was like for you. Okay. Okay. Well, shit, man. I was born in 88. Um, I got two older siblings who was born in the 70s and 80s. Of course, they grew up through the 80s and the 90s, and I kind of lived through them a little bit to see some things. Uh, but the 90s in Nashville was different completely. Um, we wasn't as fast-paced as we are now, that's for sure. A lot of buildings that you see now went around. Like it, I remember when we didn't even have a Batman building. Right. That's how far back. Um, but I'm loving the growth um, from what it was then. Uh, I just wish that as a city we was a little bit more family-wise. Uh, than we was back then. Like we had a lot of events back then that I remember going to middle school games and it's packed out. Right. Nowadays, people don't even care too much about inner city schools. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody going to private schools. Like all oh, that thing has just been a big shift. Right. And I wish we can change that some kind of way. Well, let's, let's, let's dig right into it then because um, let's talk about education in Nashville real quick. Um, you got any kids? I got a son. You got a son. I got a son too. Okay. okay. Right. Black son, right? Yeah, he's black. Right. So in Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. Public city schools, right? The schools that me and you went to, right? Right. Um, they don't fare too well for our black kids, right? Like, it's just, the stats show higher exposure suspension rate, mm-hmm. literacy rate is lower, especially by the time they get to the third grade. If they ain't really figured it out, they get left behind. That's true. Uh, especially with black and brown kids, especially black and brown boys specifically. Right. Right. So if you got the money to send your kids to private school, knowing that Metro public schools is pretty much um, not meant for your child, especially having a black son to succeed. Mm-hmm. Are you still sending your kid to public school or are you going to send them to a private school, where you know, is meant and set up and you paying for them to succeed well uh, that's a good question man like as of now my son is in a private christian daycare which could translate into a school system a k-5 and i'm gonna keep him in there for for the time being it's actually outside of davidson county at the moment but that is something that me and uh the mother of my child have sit down and thought about how we're gonna progress with that because i still want him to have that edge like we had you know what i'm saying right but i agree with you about how uh, the school system metro is deplorable so right. uh, to the standards of the United States really right. and even our own standards it's just not I, you know when I first got to talk I know I'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself but my first years in college was at a junior college in Arizona okay and man it was I you could tell I was behind big time just by going to high school here right. I'm like wow I was so I, I but I was easy to catch on real quick right but I see the problems Compared to people who might went to private schools or magnet schools, right? And I think too, and and I think parents are accountable, even if your kids go to public school too, because mm-hmm. um, I think is is as parents is our um, responsibility. Even if we know they're not getting the information they should, they can right. get it at home, right? Right. right. So I don't want to let the parents off the hook, you right. know, because um, 
because I think a lot of parents can easily tend to point fingers at the school, but you know, um, we we all going through something. We all got to work a job or two or three, but you know, you got to find that balance and that sacrifice you got to make if you want your child to have the education you feel like they deserve. Mm -hmm. And it might have to come from both home and the school. If it just can't come from the school all the time, how you want it to, especially if it's a public school system here in Nashville. Correct. Um, I wouldn't send my son to school here. <laughs> and, and, and the edge that you talk about, you know, I had a great time in school. Right. And that probably is the problem. I had a great time in school. Um, and maybe I, I, I wish, you know, it would have been more, more structured but more strict in mm. a lot of ways. Um, because you know, hindsight, you see, okay, what what is necessary to kind of be successful, mm -hmm. um, in in the real life, you know, um, going ahead was a direct funnel for me to go to MLK, right? Okay. But my mindset was like, ah, I'm gonna go to Pearl one because I want to play basketball, but two, you see them backpacks, you see them rolling backpacks that they got over there at MLK. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, I don't want that type of homework. I don't right. want that type of work, even though. I know it would have been good for me, but back then as a child, as right. my, with, with my, my brain being at the maturity level that it was then, I wasn't trying to, you know, carry those around. I just wanted to, you know, have a good time, have fun, partake in the sports and, you know, the things that a teenage boy would want to partake in and doing homework and presentations ain't one of the things on your mind. But, you know, I wish I would have had my mama or my daddy say, hey, nah, we're going to send you to MLK because X, Y, and Z, you know. Um, but it is what it is well the piggyback off that bro in our culture we're not really pushing hard on academics we're pushing on sports mm. and that's why so that's why your parents and they kind of break up to your your parents about right. putting you to mlk like that because you know we, our forefront is to get our, our child to the league at some kind of point right so we think about whether school can best fit that right when our other counterparts and races wise they they think about the academics like the Asians. Right. they just you know they start on it the right. indians um so that's that, uh, but when I going back on the edge part, like and I gotta get dive into this, man. So going back to like you said in the '90s, me being very light skinned, right? You know what I'm saying? My son is light skinned, even though his his mother's dark skinned, but he, he came out just like me, right? Um, I don't think he's gonna go through the same things I went through, right? But it was rough, you know. I was getting picked on all the time, right? Soft, man, all soft, this stuff. Yeah. you know, yeah, this and that. You know, they call me white boy. I ain't even mixed, you know what I'm saying? But they right. do all that, right? Um, Real story, man. At Jared Baxter Middle School, I got suspended six times for fighting the same dude, dude named Omar. Because he used to come to school, hit me in the back of the head. And then at the time, my dad never did sign the uh, the, the form that we, you can get, just get a paddling and go back to class. He, he forgot it or something, so he just kept suspending <laughs> me. And to my point, my dad got like, hold on, what's going up? And so my dad tried to have a meeting with their parent. Their parent never did show up. And um, that's what it was. But that's how bad. So going back to what you saying, right. Metro was had some, it was not strict enough. Well, well, now something like that is, is toxic, and yeah. it's, it's, and it was bullying then too. Yeah, which a lot of things was, but it wasn't coined that way. Like we didn't, we didn't, well, we didn't look at it that way as bullying. I didn't really. I'm be honest, with you, I don't think I really heard bullying come up. I, I didn't hear bullying come up, but you know, just being honest with you, man, our generation and the ones before us, we were a little bit more thicker skinned. This new generation, they, they, they're I'm not trying to make fun of them, but they're softer than us, man. Man, I, the first the time I would say society. Society is period. Yeah. But to be honest with you, the first time we heard, if you, I know you can remember this, the first time we heard of a bully situation and somebody snapping is Columbine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's the only time I ever hear somebody just something just good crazy. Right. But our generation, oh man, like we had to fight. Right. I, I remember man, somebody picking on me in the neighborhood or something. If I try to run home, my parents they finna whoop me too for not going to fight. Right. Now right. things are. Just look different. Burning on each other. That's man. That was that was like breathing. Now, it ain't that. That's you. You could be shaming somebody. You get canceled. You know, you can get canceled. <laughs> you can get you can get canceled. Which I'm not an advocate for. Uh, right. And don't believe in cancel culture. I think it's it's a, it's it's it prevents people to grow because we're gonna make mistakes and say things wrong. But also, for example, you take out. I think you you take our culture from it, and you'll know this. We'll call somebody gay mm -hmm. uh, or soft, um, doing sports or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, not even one, and 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 me and you probably both experienced didn't have any kind of proximity to to gay people in general. Right. 
um, probably didn't even really know of any um, openly. Um, it was just a term that was used to mm. call somebody uh, weak. Are you sorry? Right. You ain't right, good or something right, like that. We right. never meant for to offend the whole group of people right. that identify with that. Um, and we would have been canceled. <laughs> at the particular, if, if we it, go back to the 90s right, and 80s. Yeah, everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody counts. Everybody counseled. And I think a lot of times you have these advocates trying to educate folks on that. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of it's a it's a lot of uh, um, cultural incompetence um, because if you don't understand how African Americans grow up and kind of how we talk in our slang and how we are using things, yeah, we might be offending people, but you gotta you gotta take into effect like okay, well maybe they don't even understand and. The proximity to the people they offended, how close are them too? Take mm-hmm. take all that into consideration, and then just but just don't counsel me, and just don't then just think I'm trying to bash you and a whole group of people. But like with that counsel coach, man, it kind of kind of forfeits that opportunity for us to to one bravely make those mistakes of just not knowing, mm-hmm. and then two of like not even want to speak and say things that uh, might be controversial or things that like, I really just don't, I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't understand, man. And that's why I call this a brave space, not okay. a safe space. You gotta be brave and you gotta be brave to make mistakes and maybe offensive people unintentionally, but like, you know, ain't no counseling over here. Right. No, I got you. I feel you. I feel you. Man. Um, going back to sports, athlete yourself, um, that education and athletes, you mentioned that, um, you know, a lot of us are focused. And I mm. want to dig a little deeper on this. A lot of us are focused um, in the community, specifically the black community, on, like, getting that, you know, one, one out of one million chance for that, you know, that job of seven that a million people are going for, whatever it may be, right? Right. Um, do you think, well, we know for sure. Before I say this, we know for sure that sports has been the biggest generational wealth grower for black folks mm-hmm. um, since the beginning, since we've been in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's been the biggest generational, um, generational wealth grower. Why do you think that it's still kind of, we see there's other opportunities for us to get into other, outside of entertainment. Now, why do you think that we're still pivoting more towards, let's make them, let's get them to the NFL, let's get them to the NBA, um, in, in, in that avenue instead of, okay, well, there's doctors that still need to be had, lawyers, engineers, mm-hmm. scientists, hell, golf, even other sports, right, uh, that I think we could be great at if we had more opportunities uh, to participate in them. I mean, lacrosse, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but basketball and football are the, the primary two. Um, why do you think we keep pivoting towards that instead of other things that can also be associated with blackness. I think it's just, man, it's the curriculum, how they got the school system set up. And I think for these generations, it's just not sitting well with us as a whole. Yeah, you might have one or two or three blacks that come out and be role scholars and all that, but that's not the norm. We don't learn like that as a group of people. Mm. We hands on, we have to see as visual. Mm. Sports is that. And we see that as a quick avenue. Uh, you just mentioned how that's one of our, our best uh, generational growth uh, uh, aspect, but it only works when we are getting to the highest level and then marrying our own people. Because mm. as soon as you start marrying outside, mm. you, you know, then you, the money you, goes to other places. You, you're getting into something now. Oh, yeah. You're oh, getting yeah. into something now. Most Most Let's definitely. dig into it. Let's Most dig definitely. into it. I like this. Most now, I have no problem with um, biracial couples. Okay. I would even say if you was a black man or an old woman, especially during Jim Crow or before, you can be seen as brave or courageous. Because mm. your life was on the line. Okay. We couldn't look at a white woman, right? right. Mm-hmm. Without damn near being lynched, right? Right. right? So I would say you damn near correct. I would say you're brave and courageous, right? I would say that. But I will also say this, and I want your take on this. In my public, honest opinion, if you say that you're a black man or woman, and you say that you care about your community, your culture, your first obligation obligation should be to the black family. Right. I think that's where it starts. I think that's the foundation. And I, I'm going to piggyback on that. You can't preach black but sleep white. And 
if you if you really feel your obligation to the to your to your culture and community is family, for that to be so, you have to marry or and or be with a black man and or black woman. Correct. Right. Correct. And like I said, I'm not knocking anything with people who you know choose to be in interracial relationships. Okay, but I I I only pushback that I do have. Is that I feel like it's not it's not being based out of love. I feel like it's being based out of opportunity, mm. or being based out of heartache from some from a past experience. Well, well, we know. I think there's. I think we know for sure that there's been black men and women on a record, and we just. I'm gonna just put like this is white supremacy. I'm gonna go and put it like this. This is white supremacy. White is white is better. Mm-hmm. White is right. If I get with this white woman, maybe I have better opportunities to get inside doors and things. Right. And so this is this is this is, we ha- we have men and women on the record, like you go to YouTube, whatever you want to go to, saying that was their motive. I, that's a cop out, because you got to think about it. We are as blacks, we are at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm-hmm. So how are you gonna make it as a black man? How are you gonna make yourself go, go up the hierarchy and you dating the the guy on top's uh, prize? As like a slap in his face in a sense, because now you now you're going after his woman. Right. So I don't know. I think that's just a sometimes guys making an excuse just to say they want to date one. And, and, and I and, and I and I and I like I said for people that they say they're they're pro black and they're really for the black culture and community. I really believe it starts in the family household. This is me. It does. And if you look at why we may be in the place that we in today, and black women are really still getting incentivized by by this. Mm-hmm. So once they took the the black man out the household, whether it may be through drugs, through crime, through crime laws by Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. once they took us out the household, that's when you start to see the decline of the black family. Not even even more so drugs, but once we start disappearing as black men, you see the decline of our communities and our households. Well, I even go deeper than that. The last part you just said is, is major. Uh, but I'm going to wow you with something, I, you know, if you're already up on game on it. So me having an older father, he'd be 72 this year, and I've always been around the old heads, you know what I'm saying? I've always been a young guy who's been around hearing it, hearing their ear. And um, listen from them, they feel, and also I do too, after I really looked at thought about it, they feel like the, so when birth control came out in the late 60s, okay, that opened up the door for not just blacks, but for all races of women in a sense, to now feel more comfortable with the way I want to say this. So we know for for eons, men of any race have been, might, might step out on their spouse or do whatever they do, you know, going back to whatever Babylon. Right. And women have done it too, but they had, they had a little bit more, be a little bit more conscious because of what could happen, you get pregnant. Right. So when, and then if you go back to the 60s, one of the things that that was going on in society, they wasn't really worried about diseases that much like this, especially right. STDs. But they, they main fear was having a child out of wedlock or just having a child, period, while they married, whatever, boom, boom. So now you're eliminating that fear. I a lot of myself and, and the elders think that that might have did something on the psyche of women to want to go out and do what men been doing. Mm. Get it feel liberated on that. Mm. And then you come in in the mid-70s, early 70s, mid-70s with the women's rights movement. I'm not saying they're not supposed to have because women are supposed to have rights. They, right. They're equal. In a sense, so if you got, and but that was a fight that, um, I say, the powers that be had got in contact with black women who was the backbone of the civil rights movement, and got them to get behind their movement. But really, that was a movement for a white woman who was trying to get equal to the white man, but needed help. Right. And they kind of bamboozled black women to help them on that, like they was getting hurt. When we don't have no power either, we in the same boat as they are. Right. And they flip things. Right. And then the third part would be in what you said, like with welfare, where, okay, if you're going to accept this money, then that man can't be in your house. Right. It still happens to this day. Still like, to this day. To this day. That it's basically, it ain't no basic. It literally is incentivizing black women mm-hmm. not to have a black man in the household. Right. That's exact, that, ain't no other way to cut it, shape it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would love for our black women because we can't speak from a, a woman's point of pr- perspective correct i would love for them to chime in on this when they're watching this and listening to it um especially if you're in um 
the bricks, public housing, whatever you want to call it. And how do you feel about that? Uh, being incentivized and taking the money and keeping yourself there. And the only kind of threshold is like, you can't you, you can't have a man here. Of course, your right. income gotta be whatever, but you you definitely can't have a man in here. Right. Which right. is which is which is wild, and it's generations of it. Right. It's Brag generation. about it. We got fifty years of it right now. Right. Bragging about it. I remember my, my my daddy would tell me, you know, it was embarrassing to have a book of stamps and going down to the store, but now. You get a little fancy debit card, you mm-hmm. know, the little American flag on there. Mm-hmm. Hell, people are even brag. I'm selling them. Who wants oh, them? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, it just, I don't, I don't. Do we come out of that? How do we come out of that psyche? Um, I feel like we want to get pulled out of it. I think that as long as we at the bottom, we won't be able to change things. And um, I like to tie things back to revelations on like how things are going to get flipped over. We just got to wait. I don't right. think it's, I think it's out of our power because um, we got all the educated blacks to do something. We got money as blacks, but we don't own nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Think about it. We don't only race. Don't have a military. Mm. We don't. We don't only race. We even consider the United uh, the United States blacks. We don't only race. They don't even have a home place to call up on if we get done wrong. Right. For example, the reason why one reason why I think why the Asians got to build so quick because they, if you do an Asian wrong in the United States, China, Japan will get on your butt. Right. We don't have that. No. So it's like, you know, if something happened to us, you know, you better hope Dodge City help you. Uh, you know, <laughs> other than that, you know what I mean? You got to, you got to, you got to, uh, up uh, Shits Creek. Man, you spoke about, you know, being light skinned. The colorism is real. Right. Man, being older now, um, being more seasoned just in life and being able to look at things differently. Mm-hmm. Man, have you seen, have you noticed on, you maybe had some advantages growing up or disadvantages mm. um, compared to your darker counterparts? That's a good question, bro. So I think that people have to look at it on this uh, spectrum. That work on the on the having a, a one-up will come towards more on the light-skinned women. Okay. On the light-skinned men, you still the men in the day. So it's like, in my uh, opinion, in my what I went through in my life trials, um, the 90s was rough for me because it was like the, and I joke about this, but it was the time of the dark skin. You had, you had Tyrese, you had Tupac. Man, it's still time. I'm just you know, saying. Right, right. The you know, time that. ain't never stopped. Right. Nah. <laughs> but you had a lot of, you had a lot of the, the dark skin actors and the rappers doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if, you know, I listened to my sister and my, and, my, and my brother who grew up in the 80s too. They said that was the light skin time was the 80s. I and mean, when you had Prince, right. Elder Bar and all that, and it kind of shifted in the 90s. So it sounds funny saying this, but it kind of affected even at the lower level. So, um, my childhood, man, like, to be honest with you, I've always been attracted to dark-skinned women. Like, I love black women, period, but dark-skinned women has always been, like, my kryptonite. Right. But they wouldn't even mess with me back then. Wow. Even they wanted Tupac. <laughs> so I always tell people, I joke all the time, I say, excuse me, things didn't change for me until high school right. and when Pretty Ricky came out. Ah. That's when, it, or B2K and all that. So that was like right. a B5, whatever. And that's when things started to change. Right. And then, um, I, I, of course, I was playing football. I true story man like I had my last name is Savage of course so right. I went and got I went to a neighborhood guy that everybody probably knew of I'm gonna say his name and I went with my homies and we, I got my last name tattooed on my back I had a, okay let me let me see did it start with a W you know it <laughs> yeah 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 went to him and uh, <laughs> the funny thing about it man went with him with some friends man we didn't oh, pay him man. man we just had some but we kind of mu- strong on them like if you mess it up, we ain't giving you nothing. You know, we give you some pills, whatever. Right. So, uh, <laughs> man, he put my, but he, we scared him so much, man. He made sure my my savage tab was was perfect. Right. And he did. So long story short, man, you know, back Nashville used to have a lot of teen clubs. Right. Man, look, we go to a teen club. I've been at ten minutes. I'm, my shirt is off. Y'all got to see this tattoo. Right. I'm at that. I ain't even sweating yet. <laughs> so, I, uh, to, to piggyback off you saying about the light skin thing, like so things changed for me towards. High um, end of high school to when I got grown, it was just when I well, the culture shock I got in Arizona woke me up too because things not like that on the West Coast. Okay, like, you like you the cream of the prop. Okay, no matter if you male or female. Right. Um, but when I came back, when I transferred to TSU to play, and I started getting cool with my friends from Memphis and uh, some parts of Mississippi or Ohio, they said, "Michelle, if you grew up in, in my city, you'd be the king back then too." Right. So, so I think Nashville kind of has a weird thing on that because like my I do have Memphis friends and Mississippi friends say 
bro, you've been light skinned, you'd have just won, period, back then. I said, well, mm. and you gotta look at the, the demographic in Mississippi. They more, they're not really doing interracial like that much or that right. Um So, yeah, so, but I had it rough then, but then it changed for me uh, towards the end of high school. Okay. Um, but women, uh, light skinned women, I think that they're getting, they get praised a little bit quicker than dark skinned women or brown skinned women. Because uh, it's kind of the paper bag test yeah, or getting close yeah. to light is right. Right, type of thing. Right. A lot of women have video vixens and things like that have mm -hmm. came out about that over the years, um, but it but it seems like seems like the society in general is trying to be more intentional. Especially, I would say with, with George Floyd, mm -hmm. um, his passing, R.P. George Floyd. Um, our culture, our world is trying to be in, more intentional about being very. Uh, inclusive of blackness all mm -hmm. shades colors just trying to be super inclusive and it it's like we know we're the trendsetters of the world mm -hmm. but it's like it makes me question the makes me question how genuine it really is because it's it's like we always been here and then now y'all finally see and then y'all want to include us mm -hmm. like what is that how genuine is that like how long is that gonna last um, when y'all want to just say, okay, we 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 did our part on history. Now we can, you know, we can be, we're gonna go back to protecting what's ours and not including y'all on things. Um, so I always just question that, especially when anything is trendy. Colin Kaepernick was a, is a perfect example. The NFL made it trendy for people to kneel and make it made it safe. Mm -hmm. I would say it wouldn't. They didn't make it brave. Colin, when Colin Kaepernick did, it was brave. Then it became commercialized, mm -hmm. and they made it safe, and they and it seemed like they always do that. Well, it seemed like we might be going through a a a, a, a term we call white guilt. Mm -hmm. So that's why you might see a lot of doors opening up for some right now. Mm -hmm. um, doors are opening up for us. We just got to make sure we capitalize. Man, um, I think it's a black renaissance that's happening here in Nashville now. Yes. Um, before I touch on that, though, I want to go back a little bit. Well, not even back a little bit. Just talking about what's happening here in the community in Nashville, housing, mm -hmm. right? Right. It's not enough affordable housing. I think we need something like 31,000 units of okay. affordable housing um, just to put like a little Band-Aid over like the, the housing crisis. Mm -hmm. You're in real estate. Um, what's, your, what's your thoughts? What's your perspective on what's going on in housing? How can more people be able to? afford housing mm -hmm. how can we get more black ownership home ownership uh instead of having to you know move on the outskirts um of nashville or any city nashville well i think as a whole we gotta get our priorities together okay so what i mean by that yes people are getting pushed out that's not a doubt i mean there's a lot of money coming in, in nashville now with amazon oracle and these people are working and they're making top dollar and they trying to find somewhere to live preferably closer in town because that's how they live when they was in Seattle and right. San Francisco. But the reason I said we got to get our house in order because, for example, when the tornado hit, not just last one, but the one I think uh, two years ago. 2020? 2020, yes. In March. Yep. I was out in the community uh, with some other uh, big juggernauts in the city, my boy Robert Sherrell, uh, my boy Derek Salter. Uh, he was out there. And we were just going around and just asking people and just having a conversation about their homes and like how much they you know how much can we you know can we buy from them or just whatever and amount of people who didn't even own their homes mm. and the home just got demolished and they but they've been in that house or that home for five generations mm. still paying a mortgage on it mm. but i see a mercedes and a, and a cadillac in your driveway i'm gonna stop you right there before you get into it people will say that you all would was a uh, predatory home um buyers you're trying to benefit off of the demolishment and suffering of people who have been in those homes, mm -hmm. now they're demolished and maybe they can't pay for their repairs all the way. Um, maybe they didn't have things in order where they didn't really own it or whatever. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on that? Because that was real big when well, the when a tornado came because they were developers calling, putting right. stuff on the mailbox, especially specifically in North Nashville, mm -hmm. trying to 
buy up those properties, which you know we see is happening, tall and skinny duplexes. Well, what would you say to that now? Because people are gonna see, oh, Robert was one. Would you? What? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, coming with the duffel bag, going to buy it. I was actually out there, and uh, everybody was with me. Like I said, Robert Sherrill right. there. So we was actually actually just trying to help and get these the trees, debris off your okay. property, or just okay, just seeing where you're headed. So we wasn't really going in to ask and like the bio stuff. We just had seen what they had at. Like, wait, okay. what's our next move? And they would okay. tell us that. Oh, uh, okay. The people okay. who was actually coming to town was like outside investors who was, had that briefcase ready. Right. But, you know, I, I had heard stories even on their side how they couldn't even give the people the money because they ain't on it. Right. So that's why I bring that up. Now, okay. We wasn't, but we, right. we actually was, you know, putting our heart in and helping. But it, but right. when you hear these stories, I'm like, and then again, I, me being in real estate, I still had to sit back and look like, wow. Even if, say I did have a bag. Right. To give them, I'm not even ready to give it to you. Right. I gotta get to who you, who your, your landlord. Right. And he might live in Brentwood somewhere. Right. But you live here. Right. So I'm like, and then I look at the circumstance. If you, if you, if this house, you've been in this house since 1976. So when you bought the house, it probably was twelve thousand. Mm -hmm. I say twenty, maybe. Right. You still, you shouldn't still be paying a mortgage on it. Right. You need to refinance it too many times or whatever. But I had brought up about the vehicles. Because I've seen this too many times, that they get looked over. Then I look in your your driveway. You got fancy cars, new. Right. So that means your product is going wrong. And then if you step outside, you probably got some nice some Jordans on, whatever. Boom, boom. So right. as a whole, us people got to get our money together and start buying things that's going to grow us. How do we, so? How do we do that? Where do we start? Because we are oppressed people. Right. Right. And um, and I never try to be I've never I'm, I'm never hard on black folks. I never try to be hard on black folks um, in general, just because I, I just know the barriers mm -hmm. um, in general, systemically, especially that we have to face. But you hear this recurring theme a lot like, man, look, we need to do this. This mm -hmm. is, you know, um, and me and you may do it. Me and you may practice it. Uh, and then we good. You know, right. or we, we, we have the the wherewithal to know how to make those that had that discipline and make those corrections. Right. But how do we how how do we get us as a group? Because you mentioned it, we can do great as individuals. We can we can be the president. We can be lawyers. We can be athletes. We, mm -hmm. we can be millionaires, billionaires. But how do we how do we get the group, the majority of us anyway, on the same page to be able to build um, and practice that community um investment practice uh having a community agenda it starts at home bro mm. so we're the new generation we're right. in our 30s early 30s right so we got to teach our kids the financial literacy now right um that's that's dire like we don't have to just wait on the school system to have to teach our kids about that if we know it it's just still to them early right you know what I'm saying start them with bank account savings account and tell right. them how you know um if you got them doing some kind of chores around the house, let them know how this can appreciate going towards some kind of uh, stocks and bonds. Like, for example, my mom's from Memphis. Uh, so I, so that's like half my, my family down there too. Uh, but one thing that my first cousin, uh, uh, my two first cousins, JC and Nicole, their father uh, was, man, he was heavy, man. Like he was an ex-military for, uh, for FedEx. He was there for 25 years. Uh, I'm sorry. I said uh, he was in the Navy for 25 years and okay. he went to FedEx for 20 years. Okay. But he was high ranking and he just was all about stocks and bonds in, in the 80s. Mm. And all the way through the 90s and they always been in a, on a different echelon uh, when it comes in our family. I always looked up to that. Right. And had my, my cousin JC now is an accountant killing it. And he also still trying to run against the Olympics. And we ain't like, we nothing but a year apart. Wow. Um, but his father, their father instilled that in them. Mm -hmm. And like they very very successful still to this day, and a lot of that stuff rubbed off on me and my little brother. My little brother's a travel nurse, and he's doing his thing in Baltimore. Right. Um, so it's all about having influence. Now my dad, you know, he's hard work. He was in the Navy also as well, uh, not as long. And he played. Then he worked at the uh, post office as a truck driver from city to city, or doctor doc here in the city here too for forty years. Right. So, uh, but uh, that wasn't his expertise on managing money. Right, and then he went to two different uh, marriages uh, for my my older siblings and to my mom, which he's still married to this day. Uh, so it's been a struggle. Right, uh, he's uh, he's retired now, so he's getting out of it. Right, but that alone, right in there, not having that financial literacy early age, I seen the two differences. Right, I seen how you know my uncle flourished and my dad was like just right. making ends meet. Right, 
So yeah. And I think a lot of us are like victims to that, right? Um, because most of us are not. Most of most of us are not really re- parents or grandparents are not removed from Jim Crow. Right. Right. Like especially we we in the South, and mm-hmm. so um, many of us, many many of us come from families that wasn't affluent, or maybe wasn't even affluent financially because of the just systemic barriers mm-hmm. that was in place, like lawful systemic barriers that was in place. And they was focusing us on surviving. Right. And then they can only teach you what they know from their perspective, from mm-hmm. their lived experience. And so I think you're really right about, okay, we in the generation now, I think that we should be should be coming out of that, especially with the internet and all this stuff. You can make a million dollars on your lap. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's so much. Um, and it's just, it's just throwing at you. Um, and hopefully it's, it's, it's more of us um, it's always gonna be a group that's always you know it's always gonna be that group always but hopefully it's becoming more of us as black folks especially um that's tapped in into that financial literacy and then passing that on excuse me passing it on to our kids or to our partners to our peers to our colleagues so we can all move forward because you know I really believe like if you're moving forward I'm moving forward it helps the it helps the group especially if we're reaching back and helping mm-hmm. each other correct um which I think which which I see I see a lot that you do from the community you ain't never just doing something by yourself man right um talk about that a little bit how how you how you always find a way to put yourself around people uh or connect with people that is is trying to build um and build power in community okay well, first and foremost man I'm, I'm spiritual but I'm faith-based, so I'm a Christian. Okay. And I believe I got the gift of gab on me. Okay. I go anywhere, talk to anybody. I don't get dis- discouraged from nothing because I haven't seen too much. Right. Uh, so me being an athlete, man, I've aligned myself with some good brothers and sisters who are about our empowerment to get us on our feet. Uh, so when you see me on social media with Otis Carter, which you've interviewed before. Right. Um, uh, Donovan Hilton, who's part of uh, uh, Team USA Nashville boxing down with uh, 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 Ferrari, uh, uh, Coach Kevin Walker, and, and and a couple others, we're we're trying to change the narrative. Um, one of my best friends, Tyler Lust, man, he's a Murfreesboro, he's a Murfreesboro guy, but I, I even got him instilled on some things that I do um, in the community just to show this black face, like this black man. Right. One thing I think that needs to be shown in the black world is seeing black men being held accountable on the top um right now our black women are are, are the queens right now they're killing it they're killing it you know <laughs> they so, killing so we gotta it. come we gotta mess them where they at right and i feel like the core guys that i'm around man we, we're doing that but we can, we can still expand right um i just i i want the i want nashville to get on the same accord as like an Atlanta when it comes to like working together. And of course they had their problems too. Right. Don't get it wrong. Um, but we got too many educated blacks here to not be winning. And we got too many HBCUs here to, to not yeah. be winning. We got four in a, in a two mile radius. Right, easy. Easy. ABC, TSU, Fitzmaharry. Right there. And then you go right down the street, you got Lane. Right. So it's like, we got them right here. So there's no reason for us not to be capitalizing off of this. Have you faced pushback? Um, from the work and the things that you've done, your success um, here in Nashville? The, the pushback that I get is just people from here who might are just shocked that I'm even doing it. They might have a perception of me when I was growing up, like, you know, Sal, you know, I, 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 I always looked at him like he just, you know, he loved the girls, you know what I'm saying, boom, right. boom, um, or, what, or whatnot. So they're seeing me in this light and it's just shocking to them. You know, so, so the pushback I'm getting is, what is he really about? Is he really, is he really serious? Right. And I mean this, like I, this is a calling that I, uh, I have. And what I'll say to the naysayers or just the people who have pushback, just, just continue watching and you'll see everybody can evolve. Like I wasn't a bad person, as I was younger, <laughs> but. Uh, we all did our dirt. Right, know, we all yeah. did our dirt, right. but, you know what I'm saying? But me being, I've been to different cities, seeing how things are, right. and the love I get from other cities, it's, it's crazy when I come back to my own city and, you know, I, I like what me and, me and Boosie are cordial uh, on some different things. And I like one statement that he said on, on another interview platform. He said, your hometown sometimes be um, hypnotized with hatred. Uh, yeah. Oh, for real. sure. Yeah. No. Especially it's for black men. Especially. We, we have we have we have this self-hate. 
that I've learned to check myself on. Mm-hmm. And I had a I had a I had a cousin of mine like um check me on it like years ago, and then I started just checking myself because I might see you, right? And I might your face might even be familiar to me, and I might and it, and because of my self hate. I might say, ah, oh, well, Robert, he 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 might be on some other shit because mm-hmm. I'm on some other shit, or I could be on some other shit. Mm-hmm. Therefore, like I might see you, I might not even look at you. I might use the stale face. I might even, I might even, you know, clutch my pistol because I'm ready to do something just to prove a point because mm-hmm. of the self hate that I have. Right, right. Um, and I some and I and I really truly believe and feel that and and that we have to change that, especially as black men. I should be able to see you, don't even know you, mm-hmm. and just say, man, what's up, man? Hey, man, I love you because you're black. Right. Yeah, man, and just whatever you're doing, just keep doing as long as it's positive. And, and it shouldn't be no animosity. It shouldn't be like, shouldn't be like what you're looking at me. I, I should, I should be able to give you a head nod without you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Me mugging me down. Um, how do you respond to that? Because I know you get it. We, if I get it, you get it. Well, I don't. Um, uh, I don't how do you? How do you? How you navigate that? I would say not even respond. How do you navigate man, that? Man, um, be honest with you, man. I learned this from my boy Otis. Uh, just look the man in his eye, shake his hand. Mm. Because if I got a problem, just just right. that, that eye to eye contact would change a lot of things. It'll humble a lot of people too. Mm. Um, that sound like Otis too. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's my dog, man. That's my big bro. But that we, but I, that right there, man, will, will you will see a man's true attention sometimes when you just look him in the eye. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes I ain't like some even my own size now. You know what I mean? I I don't try to intimidate nobody, but you know if it's gonna be a problem. Just right, just, just, it's gonna show when I look in your eye. Right. And I don't really have a, any enemies like that. So right. the, the, a lot of stuff that I'm hearing, bro, is just why him? Why why he want to do that for? Right. So. Um, and 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 this would be my thing, man. If you really try to do positive and build power and care, and the, on the on the flip side of that, if you if you've been in real beef, mm-hmm. right? And if and if you've been in real beef and you know psychologically where your mind got to go to. Like who wants to live like that? Right. I don't. Right. And therefore, I try to be the happiest person I can be. Mm-hmm. I try to exude and radiate positivity. Right. Everywhere I go. Right. Don't know you. Don't even know what you. But you are gonna get some positive, some positive interaction from me. I'm gonna make sure my spirit is projecting that. Mm-hmm. So whatever you might be on on some other stuff, like you might even that my energy might rub off. You be like, man, I'm my day didn't change. You know. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. It go back to how we was in our 20s and how we were in our 30s. Mm-hmm. Sometimes music does that. Our music mm-hmm. that we listen to sometimes telling us to be tough and hard on those all day and we kind of correlate into real life for no reason. Like I, I mean, like I can go back to my 20s, man. Even still now, I can go to a gas station and do just mugging. He don't even know me. Right. But then I open the door for him to get in there, his whole mood changed. Right. I'm t- the, little, the little small acts of just kindness. Little things, man. Yeah. Change the whole thing. Like just I want a problem. Yeah, know? nah, yeah. I don't look, look I'm I especially when you have kids, man, it it, it changes you in that way. Because right. we ain't promised today. I right. ain't promised to make a home tonight. It could be an accident, a drunk driver could hit me, who knows? Mm-hmm. All right, so you we really gotta be more intentional about enjoying our life, but also enjoying the people that surround us, man, and um and making sure that we're positive in any way possible that we can be. So that, you know, if you do, if you do go, you ain't going mad and bitter. You going like, hey, I was, I was having a good day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I made somebody else day good too. Correct. And I, and I, and I, I really, and I see you doing that. Um, and that's why, man, I, I, I went when O told me you got to talk to Robert. I was like, man, and, and I feel like really, I'm be honest with you, man. I feel like we didn't met before. Like I really feel like oh, we didn't, we didn't cross paths. Uh, somewhere, man. I mean, for you to go to Pearl, you know, I had to see you some kind of way. I don't know. Hey man, I probably crossed you up on the court or something, man. man <laughs> might, might didn't happen. You know what I, mean? but, I, I probably, I, I think that's what it, I think that's what it came I from, was, man. Was, was, was Pearl good in basketball? Hey man, I don't. Think y'all hey, only had Sash. Hey, you know hey, hey, if the Sash is a um, Brian Gutton, man. Yeah, 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 nah, they know. Yeah, yeah, nah, they and they are uh, above in my me. Class, yeah. yeah, they are above me. But nah, man, it could have been in Hartman or something. I don't know, man. You could have, you know, you it's ankle still down, but I didn't left on the court. <laughs> no, but nah, I understand that. But now um man so what else you got coming up man what what, what else is new um got a podcast coming yes i do I and got what my, else man just just tell the folks what you got working on man man well appreciate that man so you got a podcast come, uh, coming in man i got my crew with me here uh off camera um i want to 
utilize the, the platform that I have with the celebrities and have them come in and sit down and pick their brain. And it also kind of gives some Nashville history while we're doing this stuff too. Mm. Um, I still got some things going in, in works um, with some community engagement things too as well that, we're gonna, that 2022 is really gonna be liking. Uh, but I'm going full force on this podcast just because the last three years, man, I really gavenated a lot of friends I'm gonna say in the industry, but just like just celebrities, period, and gain their trust. But I really had never had no platform to sit down and talk to them all. Right. Like, yeah, they'll do favors for me, but I want to sit down and talk to you, bro. Like, you know, right. what I'm saying? and then kind of co- correlate their experience with Nashville right. and go from there. Right. Um, we need it too, man. Yeah, we need it. We need it, man. Because I feel like that's one thing. Nashville's story is not being told, man. Especially, you know, me and you talked off air about even the rap thing, like, right. like Pistol, like that's right. that's monumental. Man, I want to get Pistol on here, man. Oh, but Pistol, we, come on, come on up here, man. Yeah, we gotta and, get that. We gotta get that, man. I mean, but it's it's and, and it's and it's. To be honest with you, man. It's some stories, man, that I know. Right. That it kind of start, starting to seep out a little bit now from other podcasts, but. If it wasn't for Nashville, man, the rap game that you see now wouldn't even be what it is, and it's and I mean that. It's right. gonna sound far fetched, but I no, can it's not. But you know, no, I, I know we all know the things about cash money, but I know the guy personally who, who right. really helped him out the most to be seen. Right. Uh, so it's like, it's just one side. You know what I mean? And right. then um, other things when it comes to sports, like I feel like we don't get our recognition here in, the, in Nashville about uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. I hate that you know. I know you know. I love Memphis. Have my right. family there, but we hooping up here too. So I want to speak on some things like that too. Right. Uh, I funny thing, man. I got into it with somebody on Facebook not too long ago <laughs> about it was a guy from Memphis. He was just talking about sports, and I'm like, bro, look, y'all talk, yes, Memphis got Penny, and he is the best player to come out of Tennessee. I'm not gonna ever say that. But even on his being on even on that team, it was two Nashville guys mm-hmm. that was balling, Mingo Johnson and David Vaughn. Mm-hmm. But you know. They act all the way out there. So you basically stop cutting us out. Right. Because I think, I feel like to me, the 90s, we owned it. We had right. too many NBA guys. Brian Mercer, Brian right. Slay, uh, right. Charles Hathaway, man, David look. Vaughn. I mean, the peak, the, <laughs> to bring up the David Vaughn thing, man, when I was in high school, uh, Coach Kua, my, my head coach at the time, he had told us a story about when David Vaughn got drafted the first round. Uh-huh. And this is like, I want to say this is like 94, 95. He came back to White Creek Homecoming in a Range Rover. When the Range Rover first started coming out with people behind him, he pulled down his, uh, he drove, he rolled down his uh, uh, passion window and it was Tony Braxton in the car. <laughs> For real? White Homecoming, yeah. Wow. So stuff, little stuff like that, little, 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 you know, little things like that I like to bring up and show. Man, look, I, I, it's coming, man. A black, I talk, a black renaissance is happening in platforms like the one you build in this one that's talking directly to Nashvilleians right. and to Nashville. It's just gonna become more and more, man. Mm-hmm. And then people like ourselves that are natives, that are unicorns here, we the only ones that can tell these stories. We the only ones. And that's connected to the people that's that's been here or that was here to be able to to refresh the memories of everybody else that may not be from here. Right. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And and for a long time, I think we still searching for it. That that kind of that equilibrium between preserving the old with the growing new of Nashville, right. and I think it's I think it's happening, and the way it's going to continue to happen if people like you, me, and others create these platforms and and talk to each other um, about Nashville specifically, mm-hmm. and so people don't forget, but also saying hey, there's there's opportunity here. We ain't South Dakota, North Dakota. It ain't like you know we popping. Athens of the South. We got four HBCUs. We got the Harvard of the South. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we. You know what I'm saying? We, we might be like the white Atlanta, but we, but, but, the Black Renaissance is happening. The Black culture is growing too. And I piggyback off that, bro. Be honest with you, we've been the Black Renaissance. Be honest mm-hmm. with you, it's just that it's been it's been hidden. Um, you being from here, you should know this too. We all, are, yes, we call it the white Atlanta in a sense, and I get that. Right. But, you know, unless you come here, you don't understand that that's really a Black city. Right, no, you gotta every, be here to know, you know, to understand. Everything, every everything, I would say everything that makes Nashville great and or has derived from Nashville greatness has been black. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we, how far you want to go to Jubilee singers? We're talking about music. Jubilee, um, be honest with you, man. The cell phone you got, that was a black man who from South Nashville who went to Cameron, created. They went to CSU too. 
Hmm. Like that, uh, we we have some some powerhouses come out of this city, man. Yeah. But I feel like it's been suppressed for some reason. Like they don't want to get it out, and I I don't know why it's been that way. Like either. I feel like when they when they it's like they pick the powers that be pick a city they want to forefront. Like they forefront Atlanta a lot. They forefront Birmingham. When but it's crazy when John Lewis demise when he passed. That's when we first find out that he even went to the fist. For a lot of people. For a lot of people. Yeah. He got to start it. And he went to AB, and he went to American Baptist yeah. College too. Yeah, like, how you go? How you gonna be? He gonna go to fist and be an AB. He gonna go to fist, be a freedom freedom rider. Right. <laughs> and then go to ABC. And then how how you now? You just now found about him. He just now getting the street name. Just now. And I ain't just that. Just a, just I ain't just getting bad on the national side. Right. Just on our culture. I mean, not our culture, but I I, I um. United States period. They right. always pinpoint what Mobile, Birmingham, Atlanta. They just right. lift yeah. leave us out. Yeah, why? That's and like, crazy. It, a lot of things ain't working unless it come to us. Right. For example, I, um, a couple of years ago, I was involved with Woolworth right here down the street, and um, that's where they had the sit-ins at. Mm-hmm. Senator Lewis there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pastor, my well, pastor, he just passed uh, not too long ago, but his wife, uh, Sister Frankie Henry, she was in there at the sit-ins, so uh, I got involved with that. And try to bring some light back into that, mm-hmm. and also give us another venue. Right. Um, and it went well. And the pandemic kind of killed that, but that was a great time and a great experience, man. We actually got Oprah to come back down here. She showed her face in there. That was amazing. Man. Uh, Ava was in there. Um, then I, I teamed up with Bobby Jones, the gospel singer. A lot of people know he's even from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. My grandma was singing with Bobby Jones. That's mm-hmm. how you know it's real on here, Nashville. Side. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. man, big yeah, time. Yeah, man. Temple I mean, Church. You know, exactly. Hey, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. He, um, <laughs> I owe a lot to him, man. He, um, a lot of times when you see me on those award shows, I'm there with him and Kirk Franklin or, mm. or whatever. And um, mm. he, he had me there, man, because I, I gave him another platform after he left BET. Mm. So I, I, I opened a Woolworth for him. So he can still do the gospel uh, uh, right. show there, even though he still does some of Mount Zion. Right. But that gave him another platform. Right. Also helped by Woolworth, and he was grateful for that. And I've been traveling those different scenes with him. Man, hey, I'm looking forward to the podcast, man. Man, it's gonna be real, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, to to watching, and I want people to support, follow, subscribe, all of that, man. Uh, especially if you're a Nashville native and uh, new to Nashville in general, man. Like we got, we got, we got to reach back. And support each other and put each other on game, man. What's that? What's um, that? I got a great crew around me, man. Uh, my boy Mahi, man. He's a he's a guru when it comes to the <laughs> to the uh, the tech savvy, man. Uh, beautiful couple right here, man. They they I've I've met them in a short period of time. Mm. Uh, black billionaire, billionaire black. Uh, man, they 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 killing the game with the, with the rental car, with the Turo and uh-huh. Airbnbs. But we all put our head together to get this podcast going, man. And I'm grateful for it. Hey, what they say. Teamwork made the dream work. Teamwork made the dream work, bro. Man, Robert, man, I appreciate your time, man. What's that? Appreciate What's that? it. Man, hey, keep doing your thing, Will even do. though you're light-skinned. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, right, man, right. I, I really appreciate it, though, man. Uh, we got to have you back. Man, have me back, man, we got we to gotta dive deep, man. We, yeah. we started earlier, but we're going to save it for another day. That's a bet, man. Appreciate What's you. That? What's that?